out there. Uh, we recognize you. We thank you for all that you do. As Mother's Day uh, is an important holiday uh, for many families as they celebrate uh, their mothers. Uh, but today, uh, we don't forget uh, that Mother's Day also brings a, a bag of mixed emotions for many. Some people, for instance, want nothing to do with the holiday because it brings to mind the loss of their own mothers. Others may have memories of an abusive or dysfunctional home, an abusive mother. Many parents struggle through memories of children who have passed away. There are many wannabe mothers who aren't able to have kids because of infertility. And some may have lost the mother of their children. And so today, as we remember Mother's Day, as we celebrate Mother's Day, we recognize that it brings lots of joy to many families as they celebrate it, and it also brings lots of grief and pain to many, as uh, many of us have lost a mother in our life that was very dear to us, that played an important role in our lives. So one of the many perks in being a part of God's family is that we can celebrate with one another in times of gladness, and we can also mourn together in times of sadness. And so with, I'm getting feedback. Junior Church, I am sorry, thank you. Junior Church, uh, you, uh, got, you guys are dismissed downstairs into uh, the fellowship hall. I don't know how long you guys have been waving me back there, but I'm just minding my own business up here. So junior church, anyone sixth grade and under or around uh, that age range can head on downstairs and you don't have to listen to me talk. Thank you, Mark. I was confused there for a minute. He's waving me down. I'm like, he's like pointing down like my mic is on. I apologize for that. So with that being said about uh, Mother's Day, we can all agree on the fact that mothers play such a gigantic role in life. I mean, you guys are sitting here today. You guys are alive today because of your mothers. You, they gave birth to you, and they introduced you to this world. God knit you and formed you inside of your mother's womb. So I don't know what sort of relationship you have uh, with your mother. It might be a superb relationship, and it might be a poor relationship, or it might even be a non-existent relationship that you have with your mother. Whatever, it, whatever that relationship looks like, though, you are alive today because of your mother. And so clearly, mothers play a, a huge role in society. But even putting aside the fact that none of us would be here uh, without our mothers, they still play an extremely vital role in our lives. And today, as we talk about Mother's Day, I want to provide encouragement to our mothers, and I want to highlight the impact that a mother has for her children. Now, I'm not just speaking to the mothers here today. We'll be talking a lot about uh, two mothers uh, in particular and the impact that they have. But you can apply this no matter if you are a mother and you have children. You may be a father and you have children and you have that same sort of impact. You may be a grandparent and you have kids and grandkids. You may have no kids. If you have no kids, there are people who look up to you. You have influence in this world. And we're simply talking about influencing people who look up to us. And we're just narrowing our scope a bit and talking about mothers specifically, but you can apply it to any area of your life. So 
Anybody who is not a mother in here, don't just tune me out all of a sudden because we're talking about mothers. No, because this can be applied to you as well, as we all have incredible influence, and we have an incredible impact on those around us, especially the influence and the impact that a mother has on her children. And we can see this potential and influence that mothers have through the biblical story of Lois and Eunice. How many people are, raise your hand if you are familiar with Lois and Eunice in the Bible. A couple. Yeah, that's, that's about what I was expecting. Not that I don't think you guys are diligently studying your Bibles, because you should be, but uh, Lois and Eunice are mentioned, and anybody want to guess how many verses Lois and Eunice are mentioned in the Bible? Any guesses? Six? Any other guesses? Two? One. That's the answer. They, they are listed by name in exactly one verse in our Bible. So don't be too down on yourself if you didn't recognize uh, the names of Lois and Eunice. Uh, they're referred to in a previous book, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but they are mentioned by name in the book of 2 Timothy. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can open up to the book of 2 Timothy. We'll be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 1 the only instance where Lois and Eunice are mentioned by name. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, reads, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our so here, uh, I love uh, the different letters written in the New Testament because they make it so clear to us uh, who wrote it and who it is addressed to. And here in the book of 2 Timothy, we are identified uh, the writer, the author of this letter, and it's Paul. Paul, who is an apostle of Christ Jesus. An apostle is simply someone who has been sent on a mission. And Paul is an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So it's by the will of God that Paul has been sent on a mission, and he's on a mission through the name of Christ Jesus. And this is all because of the will of God. It's all according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. And so that's the author of this letter. Paul, I mean, you could, you could easily make the argument that Paul is single-handedly the most important apostle in all of history. He played a very, very important role in this fresh message of Christ Jesus being the Messiah, spreading throughout the, the ends of the earth. Very important in that first century A.D. And then the recipient to that letter in verse 2 we, we see is to Timothy, my beloved child. And now Paul uh, calls Timothy my beloved child. But Paul is not actually uh, the father of Timothy. Rather, he served as a spiritual father to him. Unfortunately, we don't really know too much about Timothy's father. The only verse that refers to Timothy's uh, birth father is from Acts chapter 16, verse 1, which uh, just reads, Paul came to Derbe, then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. 
And so by the time Paul writes this letter to Timothy, there are two prevailing theories of what is going on with Timothy's father, a Greek. When they say Greek, uh, they're, they're, they're likely referring to the fact that he is a heathen, that, that he doesn't have this faith um, that apparently his mother has. And so there's two prevailing theories of what's going on with Timothy's father at the time of this writing. Number one, Timothy's father uh, may no longer uh, be alive. It's possible uh, that he passed away at the time of this writing because uh, he's not really mentioned in many of the uh, different letters as well. Or two, uh, another common idea uh, believed uh, by different uh, experts in the scriptures believes that Timothy's father uh, was not very involved in the life of Timothy. That, in other words, that he wasn't an A-grade father. Uh, he was a subpar father uh, that Timothy had. But regardless, Timothy didn't really have, at the time of this writing, a father who was discipling him, showing him the way uh, of Christ Jesus and of his father, God Yahweh. And so if we continue here in verse 3, Paul writes, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscious, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. So Paul here, he tells Timothy that, listen up, man, I am praying for you night and day. Every day you are constantly on my mind. You are constantly in my prayers. I'm lifting you up in prayer to our heavenly Father. And that should not uh, come as a surprise to any of us because uh, Timothy played a big role in Paul's life. Paul mentioned uh, Timothy in nine of his 13 letters that he wrote in uh, the New Testament. So about 75% of the letters that Paul wrote, he mentioned Timothy. As Paul took Timothy under his wing. From the different letters of Paul and the book of Acts, we know that Timothy, he was a young, educated, and devout Christian who followed Paul. He accompanied Paul in many different missionary journeys. Timothy helped Paul found churches in Corinth, Thessalonica, and Philippi. And Timothy, eventually, he became in charge of all the Christians located at Ephesus. That is a big responsibility to be in charge of Christians in a whole city. That's how important this guy, Timothy, was. Church tradition uh, suggests that Timothy was indeed the first bishop of the city of Ephesus, and tradition also suggests that he was martyred under the Roman emperor Nerva. So we're talking about a pretty superb Christian whose heart is on fire for God, a superb Christian who was very integral in the gospel message being spread in Corinth and Thessalonica and Philippi and Ephesus as well. So Timothy, he was a top-notch guy. He, he was a man with outstanding faith who had a profound impact. And so the question that I want us all to consider and ponder and reflect on this morning is, how did Timothy turn out to be such an important Christian man? How did he have such a profound impact on the church? How did he have such a sincere faith? And I think it was due in large part to two ladies named Lois and Eunice. And we can read about Lois and Eunice in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 
verse 5, the only verse that they are mentioned by name. And so Paul tells Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. And so Paul, he, he is reminded as, as he's constantly praying for Timothy night and day, he's reminded that Timothy has a sincere faith. Some translations use the word genuine. That is a genuine or sincere faith. What does that mean? I, well, it means that it's not a phony faith that Timothy has. Timothy isn't just saying with his mouth that Christ, that, that Jesus is the Christ and that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth and then goes and turns 180 and lives his life in a completely different matter. No, that, that's not a sincere faith. A sincere, a genuine faith is which you proclaim Christ as the Lord and at the same time, your life reflects that. You follow the commands of our Lord. You live an obedient life to the words written in the scriptures. That is what a sincere faith looks like. And so Paul, he's reminded of this sincere, of this genuine faith that Timothy had. But Paul lets us know that this sincere faith that Timothy had, it dwelt first in his grandmother, Lois. His grandmother Lois, before Timothy ever had a faith in Christ Jesus, we don't know if it was before Timothy was alive or if it was after he was born. We don't know the, the exact time. But what we do know is that before Timothy ever had a faith in Christ Jesus, his grandmother Lois first had a sincere faith. And after Lois displayed a sincere faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ, we see that Lois's daughter, Eunice, has a sincere faith as well. And so first Lois, the grandmother, a sincere faith. Then the mother of Timothy, Eunice, has a sincere faith. And then finally comes along Timothy, and Timothy follows suit from his mother and his grandmother. And he displays a sincere and genuine faith as well. And so how did this happen? How did this sincere, how did this genuine faith pass down from generation to generation? Was this just a coincidence that Lois had a sincere faith and then her daughter Eunice had a sincere faith and then her son Timothy had a sincere faith? I think not. I think not. I think it was with deliberate effort that this sincere faith was passed down from generation to generation. I think Lois and Eunice were able to accomplish this, accomplish the sending this sincere faith by generation by doing two things. And these are two very, very simple ideas that, that are not at all radical. But listen up, this, this is how we can help pass down a sincere faith to our children and those who follow us. And so the first thing that I think Lois and Eunice did to ensure the, the to the best of their ability that Timothy would have a sincere and genuine faith, is that I think they taught their children what you believe. That's what you gotta do. If you wanna pass down the sincere faith, you gotta teach your children what you believe. Turn with me for just a moment into 2 Timothy chapter three. So just a page over likely in your Bibles. 2 Timothy chapter three, verses 14 through 15. Paul continues to write to Timothy and Paul says, but as for you, Timothy, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, 
knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So here Paul urges Timothy to continue at what he has learned from childhood. We're not talking about what Timothy has learned from adulthood, but what he has been taught ever since he was a little child, knowing from whom he learned it from. And so from, from childhood, Timothy was taught by someone the sacred writings. The sacred writings that, that Paul is referring to here, that's the, that's the Old Testament, the, the sacred writings and scriptures that the Jews held so dearly during the time of Jesus and afterwards uh, as well. And so my question is, who was that person? Who was the one and whom taught Timothy the scriptures? I mean, we have to do a bit of inferring here, but I think the most plausible answer is Lois and Eunice. I think it's got to be Lois and Eunice. It's got to be his mother who has a genuine and sincere faith. It's got to be his grandmother who has a, a genuine and sincere faith. For these two ladies, they had a sincere faith in Christ Jesus. They knew what they believed, and they did not keep it to themselves. They made sure that they taught Timothy what they believed. And so today, in the 21st century, we have got to teach our children what we believe. Too many people rely on Sunday school, they rely on junior church, they rely on what they learn in school. But let me tell you, it is your responsibility to teach your children what you believe. When is the last time that you have sat down and talked about what you believe with your children? When's the last time that you sat your children down and opened up the Holy Scriptures and show them through the scriptures what you believe. I hope it's been recent. If not, you are doing your children an extreme, extreme disservice. If you want your children to have a sincere faith, a great way to do that is by plainly teaching them what you believe. So I think that's the first way in which Lois and Eunice help pass down this, this sincere faith by generation. The second way in which I believe that Lois and Eunice passed down their faith is that they lived by what they believed. So first, you have to teach what you believe. The second thing you have to do is you have to live by what you believe. Because again, Paul reminds us in verse 5 of chapter 1 that this faith that Eunice and Lois had before Timothy, it was a sincere and it was a genuine faith. It was not a phony faith. It was not a fake faith. They were not saying and expressing with their mouth that Christ is the Lord, that God is the Father of all, and then going around and living a life in a completely different manner because their faith was sincere. They lived by what they believed. And so Timothy would have seen from childhood growing up, he would have seen firsthand his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois living by what they believed. He would have seen them studying the scriptures. He would have seen them firsthand praying to God the Father. He would have seen Lois and Eunice loving their neighbors as themselves. 
Because you all can come here at church on Sunday morning and appear to have a genuine faith. But you could easily go to your homes and live a heathen life. And let me tell you, most of us would never find out. Most of us would never find out if your faith was not a sincere faith. But you want to know who is going to know for sure whether your faith is sincere or not? It's your children. Your children see what takes place Monday through Saturday. They see if you are praying to God or not. They see if you read the scriptures or not. They see if you have a potty mouth or not. They see if you are talking about others or not. They see if you love others or not. And they see if you truly love God through your life or not. There's not much that you can hide from your children. You can certainly not hide the fact of whether or not you have a sincere faith. Monkey see, monkey do. A, a, a sincere faith is so, so contagious. If you want your children to have a genuine and sincere faith, you've got to have a genuine and sincere faith as well. You've got to live by what you believe. So not, not only must we talk the talk, not only must we teach our children what we believe, but as important, if not even more importantly, we must walk the walk. We must live by what we believe as well. And so if you follow the example of Lois and Eunice, and number one, you teach what you believe to your children, and number two, uh, you live by what you believe, then I would dare say more often than not, they will follow in your footsteps. And they will display a sincere and genuine faith as well. It worked for Lois and her daughter Eunice, and it worked for Eunice and her son Timothy as well. It's not 100% of the time. I wish, I wish so badly that it was 100% of the time. But more often than not, if you teach your children what you believe and live by what you believe, then more often than not, your children will follow in your footsteps. And so for some of us, uh, like myself, uh, we are living this today. Some of us, we have little children at our homes. We, we have children still in school, and we should be applying this to our lives today. We should be teaching our children today what we believe. We should be living by what we believe today. And if we do, there, there is a good chance that our children will follow in our footsteps and, and, and display that genuine and sincere faith as well. Some of us may not be parents today, but will maybe sometime down in the future. And so remember this, when, when you have kids of your own and apply it to your life when you have kids. Some of us uh, may not be parents and never want to be a parent. And that is perfectly okay. You still have influence though. God has given you influence. You, you are a light on a hill and, and you got to use that influence, and you've got to be teaching others what you believe, and you've got to be living by what you believe. And if you do, it's contagious, man. It can spread like a wildfire. So if you're someone who doesn't have children, and you never want to have children of your own, that's perfectly okay. But realize 
this still applies to you as well. That you've got to be teaching your followers what you believe. You've got to be living by what you believe so others can see that and they can be influenced by that. And for some of us, we may have kids, but they are already grown up. They, They may have kids of their own. Now, the truth of the matter is you likely don't have the same sort of influence that you once had with your children, but chances are you still have some sort of influence and can apply these principles as well. If your relationship with your children is it completely non-existent, then you still have influence. You have influence over what they do. You have influence over what they see, what they say, and what they see. You have influence over whether or not they, they have a sincere and genuine faith. And so if you're someone who, who has children who are grown up, they, they have moved out of the house, this applies to you as well. You still have that influence over your children. And last, uh, but certainly uh, not least, uh, there may be some of us who have kids who have fallen away from the Lord, whether or not uh, they were taught the scriptures and saw firsthand what a sincere faith looks like. You know who you are. And today, I just want to close in prayer for you and your family. As there is no pain in this world like having a dear family member who is far from God. I can only imagine the pain of having a child who is far from God. And sometimes, no matter what you do, no matter how many times you teach them the scriptures, and no matter how genuine or sincere faith is, sometimes the world gets a hold of our children. And I recognize you today. You guys are in my thoughts and in my prayers because I know it pains you every day of your life. But I want to encourage you that as long as if there is a breath in their lungs, there is nothing that is too difficult for our Heavenly Father. He can transform lives. We saw that with arguably the most important apostle of all time, Paul. Paul was someone who persecuted and had Christians sent to death. He was totally against this Christian message. But on the road to Damascus, God worked a wonder. Christ worked a wonder, and Paul converted his life. He was headed in one direction, and all of a sudden, he's headed in the other. And the same can be true for your children. And so if you have a child who's fallen away from the Lord, I encourage you to pick your head up, because there is hope. There's hope as long as if they have breath in their lungs, and you can still apply these principles, and you can pray that our gracious and merciful God would kick them in the rear end and turn their life around and turn their hearts to him. So let's go ahead and let's close with prayer this morning. Father God, we love you. Father, we thank you for all of the mothers here at North Hills and the impact and the influence that they have on their children and those around them. Father, at this time, uh, we pray a special prayer for our parents in here who have a child or children who have fallen away from the Lord. 
Father, we recognize the pain and the turmoil these parents are going through. And Father, this morning we recognize that it pains you all the more. It pains you all the more to see your beloved creation fall away from you. And so, Father, we just pray for these children who have strayed away from you and your son. And, Father, we just pray that you kick them in the rear end, that you give them an experience like Paul on the way to the Damascus, and you open their eyes to your goodness, to your love, that you are a heavenly Father who loves your children more than we can ever begin to imagine. So, Father, we thank you for that love. We thank you for blessing us with mothers and the vital role that they play in our lives. So, Father, it's in Jesus' precious and holy name that we pray.